parents, we just don't want to go broke when we're sending our kids to college. <laughs> Protect that retirement. Hi, my name is Stephanie Pletka, and I'm here to navigate the messy parts of motherhood. I'm a small-town mom of four who took a parenting blog and wrote a book to help moms find the goodness in the hard places, to chase their dreams and write their story. So sit tight in the carpool lane. You know what I'm talking about, mamas. Comfortable in those yoga pants and get ready to be encouraged. This is the Motherhood Mindset with Stephanie Pletka. Today, we're interviewing Brad Baldridge. He's one of the nation's leading college financial experts, teaching families the best way to plan, save, and pay for college so they can make their children's college dreams come true without wiping out your finances or retirement. For over 20 years, he's shared his expertise and insights through his private practice as a blogger and host of Taming the High Cost of College podcast. So Brad, I am so excited to talk to you today. Brad, tell us a little bit about how you got to this place of talking on the subject. So I'm a financial advisor by training, and I got involved in college planning as it became a bigger financial piece of the puzzle for most families. About 15 years ago, started helping families with college and realized that most people didn't understand it. And there was a lot of moving parts and I could add a lot of value. And the more I worked at it, the more I enjoyed it. So I kind of built a specialty in the last 10, 15 years on what I call late stage college planning. In other words, you've got a high school kid, you know, maybe you saved some money or no money, or maybe you have a big pile of money, but you're really just trying to figure it all out as far as, well, what schools make sense? Is it really worth 80000 a year for that most expensive school? Will I get aid, need-based or merit, scholarships, loans? How does it all come together? Oh my gosh. I have four kids, two in college and one just right behind them. We've been saving for years, but it still feels like it was not enough. Where have you been all of our lives? <laughs> <laughs> go look at a couple of local colleges, get your feet wet. Because for a lot of kids, especially, they've not been on many college campuses. They don't, you know, when you say, do you want a big school or a small school? Or what's important about college to you? Exactly. They shrug their shoulders. And I have no idea because I, I have no frame of reference. So as an example, I have a sophomore at home. We just did a, a visit to the, one of the local schools here. Just again, get her feet wet. There's no pressure. We didn't stay for the whole thing. When she got bored, we, we left. For most families, that's one part of the research is just getting on a campus or you can do a lot of this virtual stuff that colleges, you know, they created a lot of virtual stuff because of the pandemic. And it's stuck, right? It's still there. So we can, you know, for kids that are saying, I want to go far and wide. Well, before you travel to Texas or Arizona from the East Coast or the opposite, get online and look around a little bit and watch some of their tours. That yeah. is a great idea. I have a young adult that said, mom, I really want to go to this certain college. And I'd never even heard of this college. And only because his friends were interested in it. I know this kid so well. If it's 80 degrees, he's wearing a sweatshirt. <laughs> and I'm like, it snows like two feet a week there. Right. <laughs> we might need to like, you know, reframe this. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of students will say, I want to go here because it's near the ski hill, or I want to go there because it's warm, or I want to go there because I like their football team. And again, that's a good place to start, but hopefully you can get beyond that and start looking at something that's a little deeper than that as far as what a good fit academically is. And then the other piece of it is what is a good fit financially? We're not interested in those schools because they're all expensive. And it's like, well, the first concept that most families need to understand is it's the net price that matters. As an example, Harvard is, you know, up there at 80 some thousand dollars a year, 85 something like that, all in. Again, that's tuition, room and board, books and fees. But if your income is under 60,000 and Stanford just announced that for them under 100,000, 
College is free. They will cover all of tuition, all of room and board for any family whose income is under 100000 at Stanford. Yes, they list at a very high price. People will look at that 85000 and say, oh my God, no way. But the net cost, if they're going to give you scholarships that cover you know, 80, 90% of the cost, that's completely different. Now for other families, you know, if your income is high enough, Harvard will be full price because they don't offer Meridate as an example. So lots of people are confused about what reality is, is from an in-state price and even in-state now they're averaging 27,000. That's great information because I can see a mom now driving and she's like, wait a minute. It's like, you're saying that if I make 60,000 or less, my kid could go to Harvard or Stanford for free. This Absolutely. is definitely one of those game changer moments for sure. Right. But the big challenge, of course, is your student needs to get accepted to Harvard or Stanford, which is nearly impossible. But I mean, it certainly is possible. They take a couple thousand a year. The competition is stiff. Right, right. There's also the factors in choosing a school. Maybe it's a community college or an Ivy League or just a regular state school. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that? The buzzwords out there, right? College for everybody. Well, what does that really mean? Are they talking about the four-year, you know, drive a couple hours away, go stay on a residential campus for four years and get a degree? And that's certainly one avenue. And for many parents, that's what they're shooting for for their kids. But that's not right for everybody. I mean, the reality is some kids will thrive if they just start small, go to the local community college and get a couple of years under their belt and then maybe work or then maybe go on or, you know, do some combination. A lot of states now are providing some sort of tuition guarantees where if your income is this or that, community college is essentially free. So they take all the federal aid that you're eligible for. And if it's not enough to cover everything, then they just add money till it does cover everything. Just throw money at it till it covers it. (laughs) Yes. So Sign me up for that one, please. Right. Now, it's not for everybody. Usually there's some income requirements. And actually, in some states, it is everyone. Everybody that wants to go to the community college can go for free. Other states, it's under certain incomes and that type of thing. But then on top of that, there's now programs at a lot of the four-year institutions that are targeted to, again, usually it doesn't cover everything there. It covers just tuition. So you still have to pay for room and board. But for some families, understanding where those lines are can be a big difference because it's like, well, if my income is this on my taxes, I have to pay quite a bit. But if I can just get it down a thousand dollars, then it's free. I mean, it would be very unfortunate. And that's where the challenge with college in general is it's kind of opaque. So that's you yeah. know one of the things I help families try and figure out, but it's not cookie cutter. This, as I mentioned with Harvard, right? It can be vastly different depending mm-hmm. on your financial situation and your academic situation. If I look at it as each of my kids are individual, you know, maybe one needs to go to a community college and you know, take some of those classes. And then others are like, I just want to live you know, in the dorms, on the campus. Some people are transferring in and some are going straight to college. It's just so many combinations. For me, some days I'm like, did I save enough money? Because I had no idea how much a teenager could eat. I have <laughs> three boys and a girl and those boys, one is six foot six and he is oh constantly just trying to fill his kneecaps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How do we even begin to start paying for this? Or there's some cool like tax loopholes or scholarships. I know for me, we've split the cost and of my four kids, they're going to pay for half of college. They've always been working somewhere. They do paid internship. And sometimes, yeah, we even pay our kids to do work. So with our company, but I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You just hit on two strategies. There. One is obviously sharing with kids, but hiring in family businesses, there's all kinds of interesting strategies to lower the net cost. I mean, the reality is for many families, 
college is going to be painful. It's not impossible, just painful. Why? If you think about what's been going on, they've been raising prices and the kids still come. So they raise prices and kids still come. They're not able to continue to raise prices. And what's happened is, you know, let's say your income is 50,000 and your net cost for college is for you is 10,000. Well, that hurts. That, you know, that's on that type of income, that hurts. And if your income is 250,000, well, then the net price of college is 50,000 and it still hurts. Right. Yeah. So they've kind of pushed it. They have this advantage of they get to see your finances. But for any, you know, for the typical families, whether they're, you know, professionals earning reasonably good salaries or blue collar workers or, you know, again, single struggling families, it's all possible, but it's all kind of designed to be right at the edge of affordability. Wow. That is an interesting point that you made because they get to see your finances up front. It almost feels like insurance when you're like, uh, I need to get my tooth pulled. And they're like, okay, we're, we're going to look at, see what you make. And then we'll let you know what the, the price is. I know one right. of my sons got a, a full scholarship. And then when the next one went to get his scholarship, the price was 2000 lower for the same thing. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It could be drastically different. And that's where, you know, again, strong academic kids have a lot more leverage because colleges want them a much more. So they can potentially leverage Merit Aid at some schools and come away with a better deal. Merit Aid is grades and scholarships and that type of thing. Okay, so, gotcha. You know, as an example, a lot of schools will have some information on their website that says, well, if you have a GPA of this, we'll give you 10000 off. But if you have a better GPA, we'll give you twenty and so forth and so on. And there's a few schools out there, you know, if you have a perfect 36 on your ACT, they'll give you more than the cost of tuition. So tuition at that school, let's say, is... Thirty-two thousand. They'll give you a thirty-six thirty-six thousand dollars scholarship. So they'll pay all of tuition plus help a little bit with room and board. My husband, that's what he had, and they paid him to go to school. He's a he's an engineer. He was actually getting a check <laughs> over what he was, and he had a double major with a minor. And then here I come into the picture. I came in on probation. <laughs> yeah, I had a three point I was very social. I was more like the social director on the Lido deck. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that's important as well. But what I did was I knew I had leadership skills. And so I became a resident advisor in the dorms and that paid for all my room and board. So there's always a way to like kind of look at those personalities and find money somewhere. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. And then there's kids out there that you know, win a ton of scholarships and cover their college. Now, so it's not like everybody can win scholarships to pay for college. That just, there's not enough to go around for that to work. In order yeah, because my kids did look into that. Like if you're left-handed or, you know, and these essays are enormous, you know, for $50, sometimes it's like, that is not worth it. <laughs> right, exactly. So that's, you know, again, so it's a huge learning process for most families of, do you pursue a whole bunch of $500,000 scholarships or Maybe the college itself is going to give you 30000 off right out of the gate. So if that's the case, you know, that's a lot of little scholarships all at once. If you think about how college is paid for, it's obviously paid for with money, but it's also paid for with time and stress. Where I see a lot of families struggle is they run out of time and stress, right? They, they put things off too, too late. And then they're scrambling and they don't have enough time to figure out all the admission stuff and apply for scholarships and get better test scores and still go to prom and keep their grades up. They have to pick and choose, well, which is the higher priority. Most of the time, they're not necessarily picking and choosing because they understand what's better or worse. They're just saying, we don't have time for everything. So I guess we're going to skip scholarships. Yeah, mm -hmm. we're going to do prom. Right. <laughs> and maybe scholarships was the best 
opportunity for that student to do better. Studying more and taking the test again was not the right thing to do. Or it could have been the other way around. Sometimes, no matter what you do, the scholarship is not going to change. And what you really need to focus on is that scholarship that's available where mom and dad work. Again, there's a lot of employers that provide scholarships to children of employees. Home Depot has a big program for their hourly workers, as an example. There's really? scholarships where the students themselves work. Like if you, I believe UPS still operates a scholarship program and there's college benefits if the student is the worker. So sometimes it's the parent is the worker. Sometimes it's the student is the worker. A lot of parents belong to professional organizations that are willing to help students. And then if the student is in that profession, like if they're going to be in, if they're working on their nursing degree or their accounting degree or their, a lot of times, you know, accounting associations will provide scholarships for kids that are already in college. Yeah. Um, so like you could work for the college and maybe get a discount, probably a significant discount at the college. I have a friend who works at a golf course and they have a board of directors and they're like, hey, you know, we have a mentorship program. And they literally mm -hmm. will meet with the parent. The student has to do an interview because I think it's important. You had mentioned earlier, parent and student, we all have our roles to play, right? Right. And sometimes it's separate and sometimes it's the moments are collaborative. They actually pay for $15,000 of their tuition for all mm -hmm. four years, but you have to work 15 hours per week per child for each one and then go anywhere in the country. Right. Yeah. So there's all kinds of programs. And I guess that's the other challenge is it's like healthcare or other things where <laughs> there's so much going on and so many different programs and help for this and help for that. And what do I qualify for? Which ones are the help that's appropriate for me or combination of all those things? All those things could potentially be part of the puzzle. And depending on your situation, some are, but you know, some will be a bigger part than others. And that's why I enjoy the college planning so much is it's, you know, there are solutions. What if, if you were just like with your daughter, you guys are looking mm -hmm. at colleges and online tours or actually flying out or driving over and looking in person financial wise, what would be like, say the top three things that you would do? This has the best bang for the buck, the best ROI. What would you say? Scholarships. You have to understand scholarships. So on my website, we've got scholarship guide for busy parents because scholarship is a, a word that has so many different meanings, right? It could be the full ride from Harvard that we've talked about. It could be $500 from the Rotary and it could be lots of things in between. Scholarships in the colleges, work, which work differently than the scholarships from the Rotary, which work differently than the scholarships because of athletics, which work differently than so you need to have a scholarship plan that includes all those different pieces. So that's one big piece. Another big piece is family budget. You know, what are you willing to put towards college? And is it realistic, right? If you make $200,000 a year or $300,000 a year, and you have the attitude of, well, I paid for my own school, they can pay for their own school. It's just not going to work. Because mom and dad earn enough that disqualifies your children from need-based aid, they're just not going to be able to get enough aid to be able to do it on their own. Now, if they could go earn 25000 a year or something like that, great. They could make it work. But show me a student that can earn 25000 a year, and that's, you know, they're few and far between. What I tell families is look at your local state school and say, let's say that's 25000 Well, then realistically, a typical student can borrow about 5000 a year in their own name, and then maybe they can earn another 5000 So now our 25000 is now 15000 For most families, middle income and up, that's what mom and dad are going to have to pay or borrow on the student's behalf or help the student earn as scholarships or something, right? Right. That last 15000 is 
is almost always a challenge. And again, if you're earning enough high enough income and middle income and up, you could have set up a savings plan to cover that. Yeah. You know, most people haven't, but it is possible that you saved. You know, again, a typical family doesn't have sixty to eighty thousand dollars per student already saved. That's right, and that would be like minimum. Right, it could be more than that. End up, you know, I've seen families with their budgets one twenty five per student. I've seen families, you know, they're trying to make it work on a thousand a month, and they're starting late, so they don't have anything coming into it other than our income is up finally, so now we can afford a thousand a month. We got to make this work. Um, some families, they do, you know, they've got to really work the need based side of things. There's a lot of variability. What about any like tax loopholes or if you own yes. a business? Yep, tax planning. That's another big one. Right. So there's college, various college savings plans that might offer benefits, but then there's also benefits around credit out there. If you're for married filing jointly, it's between 160 and 180, it phases out. And if you're single, it phases out between 80 and 90,000. You know, so I had a family that was coming in at 182. So they were just missing the credit. So we were able to contribute more to their retirement so that they were able to get the credit. For two kids, and the credit's twenty five hundred per student, so that was a five thousand dollar benefit in their taxes. Wow. Now, the challenge was they were spending their college money to live <laughs> on because they would put all their money into retirement to bring their income down. Oh but my gosh, there's always something to choose, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, so we borrowed it back out of their retirement and spent okay. it on college anyway. So then they got the tax benefits and paid for college. Now, now they have a loan against their four hundred one k. And I'm not saying people should borrow against their four hundred one k. Completely the opposite. If you have a plan that warrants it, great. But if you're not planning, do not raid retirement for college. Right, right. It's almost never the best way to go. But because we were able to do all that, they kind of had their cake and eat it too. It saved them, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in, in the process. Tell us a little bit about how much can you pay your child and still be, you know, tax free towards college. Right. So there's two issues when you're planning and around it's one is taxes and one is need based aid. So if students are independently wealthy, they're not going to qualify for need-based aid um, because they look at the income and the assets of mom and dad and the student. And most students that are rolling out of high school and going to college, well, their income is simple. It's zero or $1,000 for babysitting or you know, three or four or 5,000 at that part-time job or whatever. So it's so we relatively can't, low. Like, um, what's it called when you divorce your kid or your kid divorces you? You know, Emancipation. <laughs> Emancipation. Well, see, the kid is really broke. Yes. <laughs> There was people doing that. Uh, I think it was in the Chicago area. I don't remember where it was, but they got themselves in trouble because they were essentially lawyers helping families emancipate their kids just so that they could qualify for aid. Um, and it was not, it was frowned on and they got themselves in trouble. But yeah, I would not now, look good in orange jail colors. I can tell right. you. <laughs> now the other, right, exactly. The other side of that coin, if you happen to ha you know, have adopted someone that was at risk youth or something like that, right? A lot of those kids have special qualifications where they, you know, if if they were part of a runaway program or federally funded aid programs and that kind of stuff, they have benefits that you should very well take advantage of. So foster some families, things like that, foster care, adoptions, yeah, foster care especially if they've been part of the foster care system at any point after the age of thirteen or something or before the age of thirteen. I can't remember the exact rules, but if right. if any of that, there are benefits that you know, you want to take advantage of, you know, you don't want to abuse the system, but we certainly want to take advantage Utilize of it. what's out there. So Absolutely. there are lots of good stuff, good stuff there as well. And there's lots of need-based programs. So if, if the family is relatively low income, a lot of the colleges can help you walk through the system. And 
I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for help from the colleges, which, I mean, there's whole departments at colleges. That's their job, right? Yeah. Is Well, it could be maybe pride or ego, but I would be like anything that they can do to help us Right. Out. They feel overwhelmed by the process and they're scared because they don't understand it. And the reality exactly. is the financial aid people know you don't understand it. That's common knowledge that it's so confusing that almost nobody really gets all of it, right? So they're not going right. to hold that against you that... Well, I don't understand what this income and asset stuff, you know, I don't understand this form and that form. It's just like healthcare, right? Nobody understands that stuff. Even the doctors, right? You ask a doctor, what does that cost? He'll say, I have no idea. Doctor's a smart guy, but he knows it's just impossible. He doesn't know. And, right. And those rules are just too much for any one person. He says, I'll worry about the medicine. Let someone else worry about that other stuff. Our kids have always worked in some capacity, whether it's like a fast food place or babysitting or in, in Arizona, they pick fruit, you know, <laughs> that's the big yep. thing is, and so they, they've made money that way. But my biggest question is, is they have always worked for us. We have our own LLC, our own corporation, and they have done website design and admin and little customer service. Is there a way that we can pay them and not that not be taxed and a way to like facilitate that into a 529 or make it yeah. pay for their education. Yeah, absolutely. Companies can set up tuition reimbursement plans. A lot of the large corporations we mentioned earlier have some form of aid. Small businesses can do the same thing. They just need to understand the rules and, and set it up. In addition to that, you can just pay them a salary. And oftentimes their income tax on their salary will be zero. Kids were showing up at the family restaurant and working hard and really working. And then dad would give them a hundred bucks cash. And it's like, well, why wouldn't you put them on payroll? Because, yes. you know, they don't pay taxes. And then, that, you know, that brings dad's income down, right? A typical small business, you pay the kids $5,000. What that really means is mom and dad make $5,000 less, which is on your taxes then are less. But the kids don't pay taxes. More than $9,000, it'll start impacting need-based aid. So some families are at a point where they're not going to get any sort of need-based aid. And they're literally paying the kids really well, or the kids might be partners on a rental property or all kinds of things like that, mm -hmm. where they're really trying to push a lot of income through the students and have the students pay for their own college with all the income yeah. that they're pushing through to them. Other times it's just a, a an add-on, right? Well, we'll just you know pay them three or four or 5,000 to clean the office or do the filing or do the, right. I pay my kids to laminate. That's a big one for them. Where, you know, <laughs> I love I've it. Got, um, or as you mentioned, IT, right? Set my pay and my yeah. older boys build our computers for the office and that kind of stuff. I love it. I think, you know, it's a family business and and it, it teaches them so much being an entrepreneur. It's that it's not always easy. You know, sometimes we are customer service and janitor. And when we first started out, it was you were the last to be paid. And those are great lessons for the kids. So they're on our payroll, but in that mm -hmm. also facilitates into going towards college. That's that's the way we do it around here. So, And then business owners also, there's a big change in coming through with financial aid. And if you now have the opportunity where you can adjust your income a little bit easier by using retirement plans and that type of thing, and still qualify for various types of financial aid. So depending on how many kids you have in that process, and this change is brand new, as in it's going to apply for families that fill out the FAFSA this coming fall. 
I'm always amazed how much work it is to navigate the college system from SATs and acceptance percentages mm -hmm. and in-state, out-of-state, essay scholarships, finances. I don't even know. I don't even remember doing all that. I just, I just ended up at college. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't remember doing any of this and my parents certainly didn't. So, and there was no internet or anything. You just show up and it's like, Hey, my name's on it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So it's right. What you're alluding to is the game has changed. You know, the way a it worked for the way it's worked for the typical parent and the way it works for a, a high schooler today is substantially different. Some of it's the same, right? I mean, again, a lot of the parents that I'm working with really want that four-year campus experience because their parents enjoyed it when they did it and they want to, you know, and that's one of the reasons yeah. that college is so expensive is because a lot of parents are saying, I'll pay whatever it takes so that my kids can have that experience. So the basis of this story is really figure out what your objective is, but there are a million ways to get there and there's no right or wrong. Absolutely. I love this. Do you have any last minute thoughts or you can tell us a little bit about how to find you? Yes. Yeah. So all my Good stuff is at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. I mentioned we've got the scholarship guide for busy parents. We've got uh, resources that show the prices of colleges based on each state you might live in. So it shows some net prices. So that's a great resource if you're just getting started. Uh, I've got a podcast with 100 and some episodes with where we're interviewing all kinds of experts. Talk a lot about the financial stuff, but I interview people that talk about essays and what does it mean to be undecided? And what about a gap year? And the most important thing for most families is start earlier than you think you need to. I mean, before they're born. You, uh, <laughs> right. Well, early stage, set up some savings whenever you can. Late stage, though, don't be afraid to visit as a sophomore. So if you're saying, well, I need to plan my taxes so that I get the best need-based aid, that means you got to be doing that planning in your sophomore year of high school. And a lot of families are like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Most families aren't aware of it. And then on yeah, top of that, just, and they go almost crazy when they have three kids that want to go three different directions all at the same time. Um, so if you have multiple kids and that kind of stuff, then you want to go earlier as well. And all the strategies we talked about, if you have a business, well, what about business owner strategies? That takes time. Yeah. If you have an athlete, that takes time. I think the most important thing too is, is yes, it's going to be stressful. And sometimes it feels like it's a miracle that they even made it to college and we got through all the processes. But that last year, even sophomore through those senior years, just really enjoy all the ooey gooey goodness of being present with the kids and letting them enjoy the prom and all those things. Because one day they're going to be waving by, but let's not negate the goodness right now that we have with our kids. I would agree. Bittersweet. Brad, you have been great. I really appreciate you helping us navigate this financial road to getting to college. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey guys, if this show has blessed you, the number one way you can help me is to click the five stars and tell me what you think over on Apple Podcast. You can go to my website at stephaniepletka.com and subscribe or grab a copy of my book, Living Your Best Life, or even download the Audible for Moms on the Go. Until then... Here's to living your best life.